Hey everybody, it's Jeanette and Megan. And on today's episode, we're going to talk about the double initial killer, also known as Joseph Naso. I don't know if it's Naso or Naso. Did you watch that document? It's cool. I pronounced um, Marcos Matsunaga's name Marcus the whole last episode, and it's Marcos. So, sorry. No wonder he haunted our episode. He's like, get my name right! Get my name right, bitch! (laughs) You're gonna be reporting about me? You don't even know my name! Yeah. And we don't claim to be professionals here. We're just, you know, unprofessionally. We're just trying our best. Yeah. We've already said reading is hard. Yeah, and research is hard, and math is hard, and yeah, it's all hard. Yeah, yeah, and the fact that we even do this much research is mind-blowing. Mind-blowing. It is time for Food of the Week. Ding, 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 ding. Jeanette, do you have a Food of the Week this week? Yeah, I do. It's the Carl's Jr. Burger. I had one yesterday because I really, really wanted it. And every time I go there, it does not disappoint. It's the Carl's Jr. Beyond Superstar, I think is what it's called. I don't know, but it's so good. Well, it sounds delicious. And I can't wait to eat Carl's Jr. when I come see you. Yeah, before you leave, eat Hardee's, and then when you come Mm -hmm. here, eat Carl's Jr. and tell me which one's better, because they say they're the same, but different. Um, So, I have a food of the week, too, and I didn't have it until today. I thought I did, but then today it just (laughs) slid in. I went to Uptown Kitchen and Bar in downtown Jacksonville with my dad today for a father-daughter brunch date, and I got, yeah... And I got their shrimp and grits, and I promise on everything in my life, I don't think I've ever ordered shrimp and grits because I'm not really a grits girl, but yeah, it just sounded too good, too good not to pass up. And oh, it delivered. Their grits are cooked with Gouda cheese, so they're just so creamy and yummy. And then the bacon, or not the bacon, the um, sausage, there's sausage in it. There's shrimp, uh, tomatoes, some type of sauce that was excellent, and spinach. Loved it. Loved it. And their Bloody Marys were good. That sounds like a good meal. I'm glad you enjoyed your time with my sugar father. Well, I figured if you're going to be my new stepmom, I should spend time with my dad while I have him. Yeah. Yeah, do that for us both. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm going to be the worst daughter ever. Oh, I know. I can feel it coming. I feel it coming. I I feel feel it coming. I just want to say the double initial killer is the stupidest name for a killer. Like, and then I also saw he's called the alphabet murderer. And I was like, that's a stupid name, too. Why didn't they call him the monogram murderer? That's my name (gasps) for him. Monogram murderer. I just feel like that's way cooler. That is a really good name. (laughs) Thank you. Okay. 
So Joseph Naso was born in Rochester, New York in 1934, and he served in the Air Force in the 50s. And he's also known as the double initial killer, which is dumb. Monogram murderer. Monogram murderer. (laughs) God, they really missed out on something. (laughs) We have the power to change it. We do. Yeah, we do. Um, All right. So there's not, I did not find a whole lot about his childhood. I actually don't think I found anything about his childhood. His life in my research starts in 1934 where he was born. He served in the Air Force and then he met his wife, Judith, and they had one son together. His name was Charles. Charles developed schizophrenia um, like a little bit later in life, and Joe was mostly his caretaker um, whenever he needed it. And after 18 years of marriage, Joe and Judith got a divorce, but they still remained close. He'd come and visit her to make sure she was doing okay. So as I'm doing this research, I'm like, well, he doesn't really sound like a bad dude, you know? Yeah, no bell, no alarm bells are really going off for me yet. Yeah, yeah. Taking care of your kid, taking care of your wife. And when you guys are broken up, you still want to make sure she's cool and good. And it wasn't like a stalker situation. She was for it. She knew he was coming. Yeah. After he got divorced, he enrolled himself in a couple community colleges around Oakland, California. And he was studying photography And after that, he moved to Reno, Nevada. Sounds like a normal dude. Yeah, Oakland is really close to me. And we're going to Reno. We are going to Reno. Next month. (laughs) And aren't we going to Oakland because we fly out of Oakland? Um, No. (laughs) We fly out of of, um, San Francisco. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Anyways... Again, another large gap in his life. Don't know what's going on. Um, So I feel like typically most people describe serial killers as being really likable people. You know, like they serve in their community. They are nice to children. They have a lot of friends. They throw parties. So they're basically like this great person and the neighbors are usually like oh my god i would never suspect that that person would be a murderer but not joe Uh oh joe joe's a little different joe was coined the nickname crazy joe by all of his neighbors they (laughs) thought he was a freaking weirdo the neighbors all knew each other, and the only person on the block that they didn't know was him. And they said that he was super paranoid. He would, like, keep to himself, and he had a really bad temper and a drinking problem. And I'm thinking, how do you know all this stuff if you don't know this dude? Yeah. <laughs> but. We're just speculating. Yeah, yeah. So. Another weird thing about him is whenever you would be talking to him, he'd be kind of shifty eyed and he wouldn't look you in the eye. He'd look everywhere else. And my mom used to tell me that shifty eyed people cannot be trusted. Do not trust them. (laughs) If they can't look you in the eye, they are telling lies. Shifty eyes tell lies. Yeah. 
Uh, he never said hello to any of the neighbors. And he was just, I guess, an asshole. Just an asshole. And he's always roaming around. So these girls start missing in California. The first victim was found in 1977 in Fairfax. And she was described as like a petite little redhead girl. Like she was under five foot four. And her name was Roxine Rogish. And she was only 18 years old. So she was found in a field and um, it was an anonymous tip that called in and was like, hey, I found this dead girl, but they didn't say who they were. So the cops, when they show up, they find that her feet were bound together and that she had pantyhose like tied around her neck where she had been strangled. And the police assumed she was a prostitute. And her parents and family were like, no, she is not. She is not a prostitute. Like, can you please find her murderer? And the police just gave up. Like, no. Even if she was a prostitute, aren't you, isn't it your, still your job to get murderers off the street and. Right. Right. Find justice. Like, everybody deserves justice. Yeah. So. A year later, uh, another victim was found. Uh, It was 1978, and she was found in Port Costa, California, 30 miles from the first victim. Her name was Carmen Colon, and she was only 22 years old. And police did not connect these cases because I guess since it had been a year apart, It just didn't seem like they were in connection to each other. But then when the third victim came, her name is Pamela Parsons, 38. She was a waitress in Yuba County, California. Like, she just disappeared as thin air. They found her. Fourth victim was Tracy Tafoya, 31 years old in Yuba County. And she was found drugged, raped, strangled, and dumped in a cemetery. Yeah, and police didn't find her body until a week later. But she was, like, the last victim, the last girl. There was four girls that were found that all had the same, like, M.O. for how they died. Yeah, like, strangled and dumped and sexually assaulted. Yeah, they were all um, left naked in rural – how do you say that? Rural – Rural? Rural? There wasn't nobody out there. (laughs) Yeah, they were all left naked in, like, deserted areas of the country or in California or whatever. Um, All four women had substance abuse problems, and they were said to be prostitutes, even though it was not proven that that was what was going on. And all four women had matching initials, like, for their first and last name. R R C C P P and T T. So that's where they got the uh, the double initial killer. And then uh, in New York, in the seventies, there was also a strand of murders. And who's from New York? <gasps> Me. I'm from New York. Well, I'm not from there, but I've lived there. <laughs> yeah, but I wasn't murdering anyone. Yeah, it was this dude. Um, Joe. Joe lived in New York in the 70s. 
when these young girls started to go missing and they were between the ages of 10 and 12 and they also had double initials and they like new york had dubbed this murder as the alphabet killer and joe was a suspect in these because during the time he was visiting family so they're like what a freaking coincidence what a coinky dink what a coinky dink they did dna testing on one of the victims And when his DNA didn't match with the last victim that they found, they just discounted him altogether. Oh. Which I don't know if that was the right thing to do. Yeah, I found out that um, some of his younger victims, one was named Wanda Walkowitz. Wanda Walkowitz. And he dumped her body in a town called Webster. And then... Carmen Cologne was dumped in Churchville, which begins with a C. And then Michelle Mayenza was dumped in Mason. So he dumped the bodies in towns that began with the same letter as their name. That's an odd connection. Yeah. What a weirdo. Well, in the late 90s, Joe met an older rich woman named Mildred Gardner. She was 11 years older than him, and she loved him. Like, she loved him tons and tons. But she knew something was, like, off, that he wasn't very trustworthy. And she she just didn't know what it was, but she didn't trust him. Uh, and this is around the same time that Joe's son is being institutionalized for his schizophrenia. They were trying to say, like, Joe, you can't take care of your son. We're just going to put him in this home. Mm-hmm. So... Joe asked Mildred if he could borrow $7,000 to purchase a home near the hospital where his son was, and it would be in both of their names, and it would be theirs, and um, they would end up eventually living there together. So she gives him the $7,000 to do that. He also asked her for $10,000 so he could buy a van for them. It was going to be both of theirs together. Mm-hmm. Well, Joe's kind of a dickhead because he purchased this house and he purchased the van, but he only put it in his name only. And he didn't tell Mildred about it. Uh, I don't remember how she found out, but she found out and then she hired a private detective to follow him. And during the private detective's investigation, he finds out that Joe has actually been arrested multiple times, like all through California. And he'd had arrests in um, Nevada for being a pervert. This motherfucker was breaking into women's houses and going to stores like he would just go into stores and everything and steal women's lingerie. And after, like, a bunch of times, like, he did – he was, like, a repeat offender. So much to the point to where he was put on probation. And he had a probation officer. Mildred was like, fuck you. You're not (laughs) taking all my money and all my riches. And I'm like, hell yeah, Mildred. Get the hell out of there because he's a weirdo. And she booked it. She left. I wonder if she ever got her money back. Like, she gave him $17,000 back in 19-whatever. That's a lot of money. Yeah, right? That's a lot of money money now. now. Yeah. Yeah. 
yeah. wonder if she ever got her money or her property. I, I guess she couldn't. Oh my god, she probably got fucked. Probably but... because it was cash. So mm-hmm. it's like it's a gift. And if her name's not on the vehicle or not on the house, she has zero rights to it. Like exactly. Man, sorry that happened to you, Mildred. But yeah, good for her for getting away. Yeah, Mildred did get screwed out of $17,000, but she's the true winner in this story because she left him. <laughs> hmm So the reason why the arrests for him being a pervert is so important is because of the parole officer or the probation officer coming to the house. And sometimes probation officers will have where they can stop in whenever unannounced to make sure you're home and you're there. And that's what this guy did. Uh-oh. He goes to his house to check up on him routinely, randomly. And he found like um I guess a bunch of ads, like newspaper ads for different types of guns that Joe was looking to buy. And there was also um, rounds of ammunition in the house. And it wasn't hidden at all. It's like all in plain sight. So when you're on probation, that is against the law. You cannot have ammunition or weapons. Yeah, that's like a violation of your probation for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shit is about to go down. Joe, since he violated his probation... He went to prison for one year in Nevada. And while he was in prison, police started connecting the dots. Like, hey, this guy is a pervert. He travels all over the place. He is known to constantly be arrested for petty theft and the panties. And so they go into his house. And when they start looking at his house, remember when I said he went to school to be a photographer? Yeah. They found over 4,000 photos of women who either looked dead or were drugged up. And they were, like, posed next to things or passed out on the floor. And he just had, like, all these fucking photos. Mm. And he had also had a list that had 10 women on it. And four of the women that I mentioned earlier, they were on the list. And so was another girl that lived in his apartment building. And when she found out that she was on that list, like, she freaked out. She said that she hated this dude. Uh, She didn't know what it was about him. But whenever she just walked past him, she just felt like he was evil. Oh, my gosh. And she was on his list. Hell no. Hell no. Hell no. Yes. 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 And then he also had like a safety deposit box. And in that safety deposit box was like a journal where he would document little things like Marysville Cemetery. Hmm. Tracy Tafoya was found dead in the Marysville Cemetery, which at the time, was down the street from uh, Joe's house. Coincidence? I think not. 
I think not. Yeah. And then in his, they also found photos of the third victim, Pamela Parsons, in his uh, deposit box and where he had made written logs of the day that he murdered her. He just basically had notes and journal entries dating back to the 1950s of women that he had assaulted places he was going and little notes and they just started to add up to all these victims so the day the day he was walking out of the prison in nevada they caught him and they brought him to california (laughs) they're like come on joe you're coming with us Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you're going to court and you're being charged with murder what a dumb murderer. Okay, like, it's kind right? of crazy that he got away with it for, like, what, years and years and years and years. And then Decades. the only way he got caught was because of his own little diary. Like, he basically told on himself. Yeah, well, it's like they want to relive the crime. So they'll keep things. They'll keep like. Yeah, like little trophies. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess that's like his trophy and his way of being able to relive it is reading everything about it. But what an idiot. It's like a scrapbook. Yeah. It's like whenever I tell people, put it in your diary. That's literally what he's doing. (laughs) (laughs) Gosh. So. During court, he was like, I'm so smart. I'm going to represent myself, which goes good for no one ever. Um, He also didn't want to spend the money to pay for an attorney. But once they found out that this dude was worth over a million dollars, they're like, oh, well, you don't get a public defender because you're not poor. Um, how does he have a million dollars? Like, what was his occupation? Don't know. Don't know how he has all this money. No idea. Yeah. Uh, Nice missing gap of information there. (laughs) Um, but yeah, he didn't want to spend the money. It was just going to be too expensive. So when he saw that prosecutors were like going in on him, like we have this and we have this. Oh, hey, Joe, guess what? Those pantyhose that were wrapped around Roxine's neck has your ex-wife's DNA on them. Mm. Like ties it to him. Then he's like, oh, okay, well, mm, I should probably get a lawyer. you think (laughs) so he gets a lawyer apparently it's a really good lawyer and he goes in with the not guilty plea oh god the prosecution just had so much shit on him that it didn't take long for the jury to convict him as guilty uh they were going to give him a life in prison but it actually turned and became a death sentence. What? Oh, and they also, these are some little tidbits. bits. <laughs> um, he was convicted for killing four women, but investigators actually think it is closer to six to ten women. And the judge called Joe an evil and disturbing man. He tried to, yeah. like, do the 
I'm insane plea. But he wasn't too insane to try and take care of his son because he's like, oh, I have nothing but time. Like, I I can afford it. I can do this. My life is dedicated to this. So you can't be, like, sane enough to do that. But then, you know. Yeah. 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 So Like, take care just- of one person and then destroy other people. Yeah. So the judge was like, you're a dickhead. But... Joe will probably never see execution because Jeanette, in your state, there are 750 inmates Uh awaiting death row, but it was shut down in 2006 because they're doing a reform of how um, inmates should be euthanized. And he'll probably die before before it, like, starts happening again. Yeah, I was going to say, he's got to be, like, super old by now. And he 750 is. isn't that many, Megan. Like, California well, is a big state. Like, not everybody gets death row. Like, that's a, <laughs> that's a big thing. I was just trying to make it seem not so bad. <laughs> but it's bad. Well, when are those 750 people going to meet their maker? Like, come on. Um, whenever California gets their shit together, I guess. Yeah. Mm. But he'll never get, uh, what is it, when you can come home? Parole? parole? Yeah. Yeah. He'll never get parole. He's an old piece of crap. And he's a total creep. And I'm really sorry if this story was just kind of everywhere. <laughs> um, I feel like it was pretty in order. I heard that some of his victims were getting mixed up with the, what was it, the Hillside Strangler? Because the Hillside Strangler was in the California area and so was Joe. So they weren't sure... Who was doing what with because they were both strangling people right for one was the strangler and one was the alphabet abc guy like they were thinking maybe some of his kills were actually the stranglers or maybe some of the stranglers were his i would like to cover the hillside strangler in a future episode okay we should yeah. write it down on some notes that we'll lose in a couple yeah <laughs> Yeah, like the ones we already lost. (laughs) (laughs) So mad. Well, this guy seems like a douche. That's all I have to say. He's a douche. What can we take away from this guy? Do not accept rides from old men. Yeah. And don't name your kids with the first and last initial the same. Yeah. Yeah, fuck that. And don't steal underwear. Oh, don't steal underwear. That is such a creep thing to do. And if no one's even put it on, why do you even want it? Yeah, why steal it? Why are you stealing? Why didn't you buy it? Buy it. It's not illegal to have it. Yeah. Why can't you just buy it? Yeah. Don't make a murder scrapbook, you know? If he steals lingerie, stay far away. Okay, love you, bye!
Okay, I love you. Bye.